Franco? Really? Franco Harris? Why? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. And believe you me, I had been expecting to do this episode on something a whole lot more timely given that it's, you know, Cincinnati week. But then Art Rooney enters the Steelers press conference area and lets everyone know that the next retired number for this illustrious franchise that has countless candidates to receive the very highest honor that one can receive in professional sports, which is to have your number retired, at least from the team standpoint. Obviously, the Hall of Fame is in its own class. And it goes to Franco? What? Whether it's on the field or off the field, that makes no sense at all. For anyone who doesn't know, the only two people whose numbers had been retired previously were the late, great Ernie Stotner and, of course, Mean Joe Green, the greatest player in franchise history. And do you know how many others just from the 1970s would supersede Franco for this kind of an honor? Never mind players who came along later. I understand and respect, actually, that the Steelers don't just give these out like candy. There's only 99 numbers you're permitted to distribute as an NFL team. And... There's 53 players you've got a roster, so you've got to watch it. I also have forever admired the way the Steelers just kind of quietly set some numbers aside. They don't give them out, and they won't give them out. Maybe someday, as Rooney himself hinted yesterday, you'll see those retired as well. But Franco? Now? Look, I'm very familiar. With his playing career, I was a child, but I was following pretty intensely whenever he had the three All-Pros, the nine Pro Bowls, and of course he was part of four Super Bowl championships. But I'm also aware that never at any point was he considered to be the best running back in the game, not in any one of those seasons, and never would anybody who's sane put him ahead of Terry Bradshaw for an honor like this. I'm just talking about playing. I'll get to the other stuff in a minute. Just as a player, if your purpose here, as Rooney indicated, was to have this coincide with the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception and everything else, that would have been a perfect justification to give it to Bradshaw because he threw the ball. He was the one that scrambled out of there and made a throw. Wasn't the greatest throw of his career, but if he doesn't get loose, there's no immaculate anything. And Bradshaw, unlike Harris, was in fact seen as something truly special. He was the offensive X factor for four full Super Bowl runs. He also was, in a lot of ways, the face of the franchise even more so than Mean Joe. By the way, 
As colorful as Bradshaw's personality's always been, and as much as he's ticked people off on occasion, he never sullied his reputation the way Harris did not once, but twice. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. For anyone who's not familiar with this, and I understand that time passes, and I also understand that a lot of Steelers fans don't live in or even near Pittsburgh. So they might not ever even have heard of how he basically sold his soul to try to kill the Pittsburgh Penguins, another franchise in town. Making a very long story very short, Franco, who's always been, by the way, for sale to the highest bidder, hooked up with a casino from out of town that was doing everything within its power to earn the license for Station Square, which is on our South Shore. And he was doing so in direct competition with the local NHL franchise. And as such, to an awful lot of people in our city who love that franchise and who respected the brilliant, unparalleled career and magnificence of Mario Lemieux, the greatest athlete our city's ever seen in any sport, Franco instantly became persona non grata. To say the least, this was only 20 years ago. Not so long. And believe you me, something like that is not lightly forgotten. Not by the people who were in charge at the time, meaning of the Penguins. Not by their fans. And not by a lot of just plain old Pittsburghers. And then, years later, without resurrecting the entire Penn State controversy and everything else here, for whatever else you think about Joe Paterno's culpability in the Jerry Sandusky serial child rape scandal, I'm going to say that one more time just to underscore the magnitude of what we're talking about here, the serial child rape scandal, Franco publicly made his only focus the pathetic defense of Paterno. And when I say pathetic, I'm referring to the unending imagery of Franco standing in that suite at Beaver Stadium with the cardboard cutout of Paterno next to him. I, I, I don't ever recall seeing something so sad as related to a public figure falling into disgrace. Whatever your thoughts are, to repeat this on paterno's role in that or whether or not he was to blame i have my own but this isn't the place for it you can't conceivably defend that his focus was on paterno rather than on the actual verifiable victims of this i'm sorry that's embarrassing the way he conducted himself in opposing the penguins bid to stay in Pittsburgh, favoring an out-of-town interest. And then on top of that, having a lot of players, and I mentioned Bradshaw, but there are others that you'd rather see get honored like this. This was a swing and a miss by Rooney and the Steelers. When we come back, J1Q. 
Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Mike Herring, who says, DK, I love your daily shots. I'm really surprised, though, how you accepted the depth chart when a know-nothing-like-me felt it couldn't be right. I'm saying that instead of making up reasons why Kenny Pickett was number three, you should have challenged how he wasn't number two. The Steelers corrected the depth chart, and all is well. Whoa, whoa, whoa here, Mike. First of all, yesterday's episode, I made specific mention, and you can go back and play it, of how I felt it would be wrong or at least, at the very least, uncomfortable to have Kenny not suit up. That's a point that I've been making throughout the summer and into training camp and right to the end of the preseason. I didn't like anything about that scenario, and I even referenced yesterday that the Steelers made sure that Ben Roethlisberger was the number two to Tommy Maddox in his first NFL game so that he'd be on the field. So, Let's not rewrite history here. Second point to my whoa, whoa, whoa response. A National Football League team put out a depth chart. And that depth chart had at the quarterback position, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett. And that depth chart, which made all kinds of news and all kinds of headlines, wasn't corrected until the head coach did so exactly 23 full hours later. If you believe for one split second that this was, what did Tomlin call it, a copy-paste something-something, give me a break. What he was doing, I can promise you, meaning Tomlin, was messing with his quarterback's heads one last time. He's done it throughout camp. He loves to play mind games like that. Anybody who's ever played for him will attest to this. And he did it one last day just to see how everyone would react. Not me and you, not the Bengals, but the actual quarterbacks. He wanted to see how everyone would do it. So the 23 hours pass, he sits there and offers this nonsense about a typo. it's so absurd. I can't even believe people are taking it seriously. And this, for him, is par for the course. He sees, hears, and experiences only one thing as a head coach when it comes to his football team, and that's what's inside the room or the headquarters. He's not worried about any outside perception. I don't know how much clearer He could have made that in the long time that he's been running things. He does read, 
hear and observe things from the outside, but he only endeavors to manipulate them whenever it can have an impact on someone on the inside. You've probably heard me share the story, if not, I'll do it again, of leaking out stuff to one particular reporter that he knows was going to get a lot of attention with the news to how Casey Hampton might be in trouble and might not make the team because this time he'd pushed that weight thing a little bit too far. Well, that report comes out, and guess what? All of a sudden, Hamp starts really running and getting himself into shape, and the season comes along, and 98's ready to go. Here comes Big Snack to the rescue. How did it happen? It happened because Tomlin had his own way of tweaking the athlete. He's a big, big believer in this, and believe you me, that's exactly what this was. Now, to what end? I have no idea. I'm not in the man's head. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 